My name is Brent. There aren't many people in podcasting named Brent. I don't know if my being called Brent has anything to do with that. I doubt it. I've never seen my parents listening to podcasts. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where myself and Jenna read and discuss each Animorphs book in order. This week, we are talking about book number 37, The Weakness, and what an apt title. The book opens with Jake having gone to visit a relative. This is important because it means Rachel has the chance to lead the Animorphs in her plan to attack Visser 3 during feeding. But it will turn out different this time, she swears, because they're going to get Cheetahmorphs from the gardens first. It does not turn out different this time. But they discover that there is a candidate for the Council of Thirteen on Earth to inspect the Fisher's operation. And his host is one of the Yurk's latest conquests, a species called the Garatron, that are basically Andalites, but also the Flash. This gives Rachel the idea to demonstrate Visser 3's incompetence by causing mayhem at Yurk-owned businesses. Although, this pretty quickly turns out to be a fig leaf for Rachel's desire to work out her issues by causing massive property damage and terrorizing random townspeople. Their final strike is on the Yerks Community Center, where she insists that they all go in as polar bears for, and I quote, maximum firepower. This ends with them barely escaping from Inspector Garatron and Visser 3's Grimer Morph, but Cassie gets captured. The rescue plan involves hijacking a private jet and flying it into a building, because this somehow takes less time than getting into the Yerk pool any other way. The team manages to rescue Cassie, kill the Inspector, and drop a flaming jet plane on the Yerk pool. So this fucking book... (sighs) Jake's gone for two days, and the Andalites do a 9-11. Fuck, they really do. That Sometimes we say things f- that are hyperbolic because we're being funny. This <laughs> is not one of those cases. They, they, Brent. They hijack a jet and fly it into oh. a high-rise. They really do. They really do. This book was, this was 1999, 98? It, it I was I looked it up. I definitely it up. pre-2000. It, it certainly was. It cer- and do you know how I know that? It's because a bunch of teenagers hijack a plane and fly it into a high rise. <laughs> <laughs> now, <sighs> now, granted, they do fly it somehow at a 90 degree angle from the ground mm. straight down into the top of the high rise through the high-rise that is empty of everything because you have a high-rise with no supporting interior structures, and then into the Yerk Pool, uh, which, like, sure, why not? It's not like they've <laughs> refrained from causing massive uh, Yerk Pool deaths before for ethical reasons. Hmm. Uh, jet fuel doesn't melt Dracon beams. <laughs> <laughs> Brent. I don't even fucking know where to start with this book, Jenna. It's so bad. It's so, it's bad. It's bad in every way that an Animorphs book can be. So the the plot is a mess. At at times, this book is barely readable. There were times when I had to stop and say, what are they doing? Why is this happening? I don't, I literally, like, it's literally difficult to understand moment to moment what they're doing. And The ironic part, the ironic part is that that is to the benefit at the very end because it doesn't tell the reader that it's a high rise that they're crashing the jet into or that they've crashed the jet. They don't tell you either of those things until you just sort of have to slowly come to this awakening of what's happening. And it's bad. (laughs) It's so bad. Uh, 
So yeah, th- this book was hard to read because like the elevator, and it's really disappointing, honestly, because the elevator pitch I'm on board for, right? We got mm-hmm. a book where Jake's out of town, so Rachel's in charge, and she leads things Rachel style, and it goes a little off the rails, and everybody learns a lesson, and things are back to normal by the end of the half hour and ready for next week's mm-hmm. Animorphs. But then it just fails so hard on the characterization of basically everybody. everybody. I had to double check that like the two Rachels had actually merged back together in the <laughs> starfish one and we didn't just have knife Rachel because holy Jesus. It, yeah, and that's the thing is like I agree the the pitch is sound cuz it's like you remove they they have a very fragile <laughs> ecosystem of personalities and if you remove one of those how does it sort of adjust everybody? How does it leave them swinging? We don't get that we get a fucking mess of characterizations and it it's it, so it they start out nobody on the team thinks Rachel can do it. Nobody, not even Tobias. There's this one horrible, so uncomfortable scene where Rachel, after monologuing extremely boringly for like two pages about hubris and how she knows how hubris is a thing, but that's not going to stop her from experiencing hubris later in this book. Tobias comes and she's like, Tobias, am I going to be a good leader? And he like interrupts her to say, hey, we should get going and does not acknowledge or comfort her in any way and this is before they've done even a single mission marco obviously doesn't believe in her that's fine fucking marco but even cassie like no support they do not believe in her at all i mean marco barely believes in jake when he's in charge marco (laughs) only (laughs) believes in marco when he's in charge which it just occurred to me that um the ghostwriter of this book is elise smith who also wrote 30 the one where marco gets to be in charge oh that's right and 46 which i don't know anything about yet um she now writes under the name holly chamberlain her most recent novel the summer nanny just came out at holly chamberlain on twitter hollychamberlain.com that's the one where visors visor one comes back right that's the one where visor three and visor one almost kill each other yeah i i remember not hating that one no it was much better uh in terms of its characterization i don't know if the author just really doesn't like rachel or doesn't have a handle on rachel Hmm. maybe just a marco super fan because marco i thought was the most true to character person Hmm. in this entire book and even that was a little exaggerated yeah i i think that the thing that I struggled most with, most with. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I struggled with every single part of this <laughs> book. But one of the most difficult things, I think, is that they, because they start out not believing in her, the only way that you can have a fulfilling arc is for her to prove herself and they all come around. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens. They start off not believing with her and then they undermine her and undercut her at every chance. And then so she fails and they all still don't believe in her. There's no arc. There's nowhere for the story to go in that that direction like if they start off believing with her and then she fails and then they she has to sort of regain their trust that's that's a book that what i just described is the plot of a book <laughs> <laughs> what this is is nothing it's just shitting on rachel and also rachel being horrible for a hundred pages and, and the author obviously knows that there has to be some sort of redemption because the little wet fart of an ending where she's talking to jake he mentions mm-hmm. oh yeah everybody thought you did a great job which like okay they didn't fucking sound like it no 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 and 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 if if they thought she did a good job it was because they saved cassie at the end by committing a pretty 
large-scale terrorism, Brent. I don't want to harp on it too long because this was written in the past and we're reading this book in hell year 2018. So I don't want to harp on to that too much, but it is at the end, Jake's like, you did good terrorism. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bizarre. It's almost like the entire book is a a really ham-fisted meditation on how the author thinks that Jake leading the Animorphs, they're a guerrilla strike team who are highly skilled and effective, and Rachel leading the Animorphs, they're literally Al-Qaeda. They're literally... Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, that plan in general is also bad because they are all gathered in the barn and they're like, we have an hour to save Cassie. It would take us 30 minutes to fly to the... (laughs) Yeah, you know where I'm going. It would take 30 minutes to fly to the building and then we'd have 30 minutes to infiltrate and save Cassie. That seems like a fine timeline to me. And then for absolutely no reason, it's like a smash cut. They don't even say they're doing it. It's just a smash cut. They're suddenly hopping a into an airport as teens as teens in spandex as in their human bodies like they're not even at why like why and why and also why and also they apparently didn't even have to hop the fence because they almost run over a deer with their plane so apparently they could have just gone in through the woods yeah apparently either that or they need to investigate that fence climbing species of deer for a potential morph because i don't who knows what other powers it's got <laughs> It did a beautiful giant backwards leap over the fence. Yes. You thought only Andalites could do it. Nope. Deer can too. Probably also Garatron because they're Andalites, but bike messenger mm. version. That Yeah, that actually brings me to the other thing I hated about this book. I've already talked about the plot and I've talked about the characterization. The actual writing, just the sentence to sentence writing in this book is bad. And the gar- the description of a Garatron is one of the instances where I was like, this is just miserable. First of all, the description of the Garatron is very, very long. (laughs) And the teal deer of it... (laughs) Brent, the teal deer of it, the too long don't repeat. No, I got it. It it wasn't funny, but I got it. No, it was really funny, Brent. I think you should rethink it. I I, I just... (laughs) It hurts to hear that. (laughs) The The teal... The teal deer of it all. All right, just repeat it enough and I'll laugh. (laughs) The teal deer is that the Garatron looks very similar to Andalites. And that's, but it took, it took like 30 sentences for them to say that. If, if that's the end goal, just say it looked a lot like an Andalite and I mistaken, mistook it for an Andalite initially. And then here are the things that makes it not an Andalite. Don't make me read like a page and a half of description just to tell me actually it looks like an Andalite. It honestly made me wonder a little if Andalites are like D&D elves where there's a sub variant for every possible thing thing you can imagine there's there's high andalites and gray andalites and aquatic (laughs) andalites and these are the bike messenger andalites i guess there's snow andalites they live in the north probably a variant that have uh racially problematic skin and live underground Mm. and are all evil a fucking drow yes god the drow andalites god Actually, I do want to see that art. Yeah, somebody do a, an, an art of Drizzt Duergan as an Andalite. <laughs> dual, dual scimitar tail blades. That's awesome, though. I wish I could art. I would do uh, it. I would do God, it. God, me too. Me too. I would also make 
regrettable and <laughs> fan art. Just real bad, real bad <laughs> and like quote unquote fan art. Is there an opposite yeah. of fan art? Uh, anti fan art? That's laborious. It's not called that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not hater art. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Some hater art, spite art. Yeah. But there are other, there are a whole bunch of other moments in this book. Like they're, they're, when they're in the cigar shop and they're fucking shit up because that's all this book is really. There's this moment where the author says, I, Rachel, knocked this guy back into a chair. You know, the kind of chairs that Bruce Wayne has. And it's like, stop. That's not important. I don't give a f- this chair is unimportant. I don't need to visualize it. You don't need to pepper another pop culture reference into this metaphor so that I get a real good idea of what the super unimportant chair is. We got a lot of TV references. We got Teletubbies. We got Blue's Clues. Cassie is very upset about Marco smashing a Blue's Clues display. Yeah, yes, that's a whole conversation. There's a moment later where the author is describing the Garatron's movement and she says it moved so quickly, like Jim Carrey in The Mask or like the Tasmanian Devil. It's stop. You need pick one. You get one metaphor. You are over your allowance. You get one metaphor and then we just have to move on because there's so much missing from this book and so much weird pop culture metaphors. I don't need that. Just tell me what they're doing with the plane jenna do you think do you think do you think <laughs> that if the 2008 re-releases had made it up to book 37 oh, no the chapman would have been going into a vape shop <laughs> do you do you think chapman vapes i think chapman vapes yeah wait okay uh, uh, we're gonna play a quick round of which one vapes <laughs> Okay, yes, <laughs> It's Chapman versus Visor 3. Well, easy. Visor 3 doesn't have a mouth, so Chapman. Okay, okay. You don't think human Visor 3 also delights in the, the flavors of humanity? You don't think he's boning down on, like, some cotton candy vape? Don't pretend that, like, Aximili Eskarouth Isthil would not vape a Cinnabon liquid so <gasps> hard in his human form. Don't even play. God. Of course. Of course <laughs> they're both vaping that tasty, tasty... They're, they're blowing sick clouds. Just the sickest cotton you can imagine. But if we're talking about vapes, like... As a pastime, it's got to be Chapman. Visser 3 spends most yeah. of his time without a mouth because he's super into Andalites and being an Andalite and everything about <laughs> Andalites. C- counterpoint, an Andalite with a vape pen stuck in their hoof. Wouldn't they just lower their hoof into a little pan of vape <gasps> juice? Oh, yeah, you're right. They don't need they don't need inhalants. That's a great point. They call it dipping. <laughs> because they don't have chewing tobacco because they don't have mouths. So that's that's their dipping is just into vape juice. <laughs> very good this is some very good world building we've done <laughs> this is all all way more plausible than the <laughs> characterization of rachel in this book as someone who honestly there were entire chapters spent on her just reveling in destroying random retail establishments i get yeah. that the idea behind it ostensibly is that they're all yerk owned businesses or in the case of the salon like half yerk owned yeah hypothetically potentially but like rachel's just sending them like yeah let's go to the sporting goods store next door now and she just does it (laughs) 
And everybody else is like, well, all right, we voted Rachel in charge, so we're her slaves now. I guess we have to do whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's so, it's, so they're trying to blow up the Vizzer's spot with Garatron in town to, to sort of fuck up his reputation and get him taken off this project, which in itself is kind of a weird concept because they spent a lot of energy in the Vizzer Chronicles making sure that the status quo is maintained. So for them to be like, what if we get Vizzer 3? That's its own, I, I think you can make arguments against that it, it doesn't make sense but i made a note about that but the more i thought about it the status quo they were maintaining was somebody high up working against viscer 3 because if it was just viscer 3 in charge then he'd just nuke it from orbit that's fair so this so, is pretty yeah. consistent with the reinfect ava um with with a yerk decision in the viscer yeah i guess it, there's no reason to believe if viscer 3 wasn't removed that they wouldn't still keep with the viscer 1 infiltration plan maybe even more effectively <laughs> yeah their terrorism doesn't seem to like at no point in this book and even now after this book did i understand what the point of fucking up small town businesses were in order to blow up visor's spot because the visor's not going to tell garatron and garatron isn't going to be at any of these weird businesses so it's like i I didn't understand if is this is just the author doesn't know what rachel's all about and so like you're saying it's knife rachel where she doesn't have long-term plans because she doesn't think long term or if the writing was just so bad that the point of these was mysterious to me there's several parts of this that feel almost like there were specific pull outs of various animorphs books that the author was paying attention to and just absorbed as canon like the weird exchange where rachel is like marco we're not stealing marco's like what i'd mail a check and then she like slams shut a till at the bookstore that comes open when they're attacking the (laughs) bookstore because uh nobody can blame a robbery on us and it's like well so you read like three pages of one of the david books and then just Mm. put the rest down and that's your whole big takeaway is the animorphs don't steal Mm. even though they just tear up a bank later because i guess at least cassie and i i like to think that more of them than just cassie would think this way probably tobias i think tobias would think this way too cassie was of the opinion that destroying the bookstore was kind of (laughs) sacrilegious I agree. I agree. It it was a little painful to read about them destroying all of those books, especially because I kind of expected there to be a self-aware sort of dig at the young adult section when uh, Marco was in the kids thing, but he just said intermediates, which I think is still a young readers pre... Yeah, I think that's like early middle school, maybe late grade. Uh, like it's such a missed opportunity it is now that you say that i regret that that's not here (laughs) um do you want to talk about that time rachel kind of sexually harassed your controller because that was something we both felt weird about yeah yeah where they're busting up a a kinko's and Mm -hmm. she as a bear says hey 17 year old controller drop trow and sit on this copier and i'm going to take non-consensual xeroxes of your ass and then send them to your boss yeah. And the whole way she describes it is this serial killer detached. I thought it would be interesting to photocopy his posterior and send it around. And so I did. Like, what the fuck? That was so bizarre. Was so, yes, it was awful. It was awful in every way that it could be awful. The detached that you're talking about was also just like, it felt to me that it was the author's detachment and that they didn't really think through what this meant for Rachel's character because they're right writing this one book and they're not really invested in this as a series. 
I know, and we say this a lot, the 90s were a very different time. Oof. That could be the tagline for this goddamn book. Ha. In the 90s, wouldn't it still be considered, like, at the very least, a dick move? To take a bunch of naked photos of someone and, and just post them around to their boss and stuff? Uh, I think if a girl did it to a boy in the 90s, that would have been considered un- unacceptable. Well, that, that that's what's revenge- happening here. Yeah, yes, I agree. J- but to the point, revenge porn in the 90s and 2000s was yeah. just a thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, it and still, still happens. Yeah. yeah. But it is, I mean, social norms aside, yeah, that is a dick move, regardless of the era or the genders of the people involved. Yeah, I I like to think that most people, at least, would in public say, oh, that's unfortunate. Why would you do that? Mm. Even if, you know, indoors, they were like, oh, haha, it's locker room photocopying or whatever. Let's elect (laughs) Rachel president now. Uh, Sorry. uh. Sorry, I didn't mean to get political. (laughs) I just that this whole book, I felt like the author thought that just characters being really mean to each other was the same as like drama and tension. Mm-hmm. And it's not like not telling us what they're doing. It, like withholding information can strategically be good dramatic tension, but just not telling us what they're doing because you're trying to hide the mystery of the plane hijacking isn't good structure. It's just confusing to read. The Animorphs disagree and discuss with Jake's decisions in real time pretty frequently, but not in the same way that they do here, where it feels like this whole book, they just decided at the beginning that Rachel's a dangerous psychopath that needs to be reined in, which I guess to be fair in this book, she is. Hmm. But let's not be fair, because that's kind of bullshit. I I know that early on in the books, I was confused why Jake was the leader, because Rachel seemed a more natural choice to me. Yeah. Although, like, a finger on the monkey's paw closes i guess with this book <laughs> uh, literal monkey actually gorilla yeah right it's a gorilla curious george is mean <laughs> just terrorizing children murdering old men for no reason uh, so gay is probably a year yeah what about <sighs> that holy shit Oof. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. That's another... See, that's the problem is that's another weird moment that's now canon forever where they're in the the newsroom and a grandpa has a heart attack because he had a heart condition and saw a bunch of animals rampaging and he died. He died. And then afterwards, Rachel's like, you know, casualties happen. That guy was probably a Yurk host anyway, so it's fine that he died. (sighs) Which is in stark contrast to their normal insistence that... They try to keep human controller casualties to a minimum, and holy shit, later on, when they're at the community center, and they all, except Rachel, make a huge deal out of now, we're not here to kill a bunch of people, controllers or no, so let's, you know, just do property damage and and knock them out, because getting knocked out isn't a traumatic brain injury, (laughs) and just, you know, we'll we'll roll the place and, and run away, and then they go in... And are just like, yeah, I, I covered in fucking hork guts, just all up in my teeth, tearing out intestines, throwing them all over the place. I, I got one's head on my hand. I'm working its mouth like a little fucking puppet. And, and, and 
the, the whole time, Rachel's like, yeah, I, I backhanded some human controller and he fell over and his head hit the corner of the table and he quote unquote got knocked unconscious. He's mm. definitely still alive. What God. is happening? <laughs> it just made me think of all the superhero stories. Like all of the fucking bullshit Batman lines where he's like, I don't kill. We don't use guns because they're deadly. I did drop somebody out of a jet into some water, but I think probably he's fine. <laughs> no, no, dog. Just because you didn't <laughs> confirm whether somebody was dead or alive doesn't mean they're alive. You killed a bunch of people and you're pretending to be more. That, yes. And that's the thing about the Animorphs is they've always had this very, I think, I feel like unspoken thing where they were like, yeah, we've definitely killed a lot of people as casualties of war. And we're suppressing that knowledge because we're 13 year olds and that's a lot to deal with. So for Rachel to be like, it's okay if we killed somebody if they were a controller. And also they probably weren't, but I'm going to say they were in order to to appease my emotional stasis that's a lot it's it's a that's a huge shift that's treated as not a huge shift yeah it, it breaks their sort of tacit agreement that they're just not going to talk about all of the human controllers that they've killed and not think about them yeah yes Yes. And it does it so flippantly. Yeah. And it's really important. It's an important moment that's just treated very flippantly. Like that time Rachel made a York photocopy their part. <sighs> okay, between that and the, the inspector, Garatron, who somehow is a candidate for membership on the Council of Thirteen. <laughs> uh, I, is it... Do you think, did somebody die between here and Visser on the Council of Thirteen? Is it going to be the Council of Fourteen? Does he, does he just get to mm. pick one and say you... And, and kill them and take their spot? Like, how is... Putting that aside, Inspector Garatron, who totally is almost on the Council of Thirteen, you, you guys, and is <laughs> just like an Andalite, but way better, and has superpowers that he can move real fast and run on water, is so... Just reads so much, other than the fact that he gets murdered at the end. Reads so <laughs> much like an OC don't steal, self-insert, somehow. I I, I think we, we gotta decanonize this book, Jenna. God, Brent, do we have that power? This book is less canon canon than more canon than canon <gasps> uh, it's still canon um, i guess but it's less canon than more canon than canon i think you're right i think uh, in a scale of canon i think this is less canon than canon is canon yeah yeah it's it's cannot is what oh, it is oh shit oh no you didn't wow is that the first time that's ever been used in the history of oh. canon I'm gonna say if we're making up canon, then yes. Ah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna Google it because I don't want to know. That's a Jenna original. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just this is just a mess. You know, and okay, Jake at the end of this seems extremely sanguine about like the whole events of this book, like way calmer about it than I would have expected for someone who once chewed Rachel out for morphing an elephant to scare away a rapist. Oh, fuck. God, Brent, fuck. I'd forgotten about that. He's just like, how many Animorphs are there? Six, how many Animorphs were there when you started? Six, then it's a win, anyone you can walk away from, right? <laughs> Which, what? That's not Jake. Uh, yeah i mean maybe maybe they've just come so far that that's the new standard they've had a they've had a a decent number of close calls is there anything else to say about this book just that it's weird that tobias's indoors wreck shit up battle morph is still just a hawk that is weird cassie's is still a wolf 
And I feel like, if anything, this book proved to me that, that it's good to have a speedy wolf creature that can like run really long distances since they had that weird disaster at the end with all the polar bear morphs. Yes. Um, but that said, to, I don't know what Tobias's deal is. Because he, more than anyone, can go from battle morph to escape morph, whereas everybody else has to go to, into human in the intermittent. So it seems like he, more than anyone, should get a better morph. I think everybody just maybe gave up a while ago on trying to convince Tobias to be anything other than a hawk for any amount of time. Aww. He just he's Aww. like, all right, he's hawk guy, whatever. Like, what's your battle morph? <laughs> all right, I'm a gorilla. I'm a tiger. I'm a fucking grizzly bear. I'm a red tailed hawk. You're already a red tailed hawk. Yeah, but but I <laughs> I got talons. All right, you know, there's like walls and a ceiling and shit. It's cool, man. There's thermals indoors. <laughs> I'm just imagining him walking on his talons through a room because he can't fly because it's too low and it's just it's just a very long it's a three minute long single shot of him sort of awkwardly waddling <laughs> through a, a hork beer bajir gut strewn room he waddles over to the bathroom door seer he shouts at it plaintively <laughs> trying to get it to open but he can't reach the handle Oh, Tobias. Also, why the fuck is Visser 3 still feeding real close to their town? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question, Bryn. Because they are aliens and they do have very good flight powers. They, they haven't developed... I Like, I get it. They're not going to build a dome ship, right? But they don't have any sort of hydroponic grass-growing technology that he can just feed on the fucking spaceship. Or, since he's in orbit, land somewhere that's not North America. Mm. Just go to a different continent. Yeah, just go anywhere. Just go anywhere. And like Bandit's not going to get you there. They only show up around this one town in the Bay Area. <laughs> And we do, we know from other books that the Andalites have a weird slurry that they can eat. Oh, oh yes, that they feed the alien. <laughs> yeah. The, the Timothy Hay slurry. <laughs> I can't imagine Visser 3 is getting a lot of pleasure out of the grass. Maybe he does. Maybe, that's just, maybe he just likes it. I like to imagine that there was one controller who was like controlling a stoner and came to the Visser with some grow lights and was like, no, man, we can just do this inside. You don't have to do this. And and then Visor 3 killed him because he spoke to him. And then the, no other uh, host controller tried. They're just like, Visor 3, go off. Look, Gary, the hour that I run in a meadow and eat grass with my hooves, that's the <laughs> one hour a week that Visor 3 gets to just be an Andalite and not Visor 3. So fuck oh. straight off, Gary, okay? That's my time. I really like that, actually, is that because we do know he loves Andalites. He's obsessed with Andalites. Yeah. That is his one hour a day to pretend that he's a real life Andalite. <gasps> That's his Andalite LARP session. Uh-huh. <gasps> Brent, yeah. Brent, you cracked it. Mm-hmm. You did a great job, Brent. Yeah, but but I'm saying he could do that literally anywhere on the planet. There's grass. Yeah, it doesn't have to be right next to San Francisco. <laughs> That's true. He could literally go two hours north and the Andalite, Animorphs would not be able to get to him. Yeah, it's, it's true. Anything else from this fucking terrible, awful, just anything? I assume every single book in the Animorph series is somebody's favorite book based on the sassy Twitter comments I get whenever (laughs) we don't like a book. So I assume that book 37, The Weakness, is somebody's favorite book. For for that, I apologize for the things that we have said today, but I stand by them 100,000%. I'm sorry if we have caused you any distress with our vociferous disagreement with your enjoyment of this book. I Yes, I respect your standpoint. Actually, if this is your favorite book, do tell me 
me why on Twitter, because I'm always open to have my mind changed about the quality of a book. Mostly the comments I get when we don't like a book are just like gifts <laughs> that, that, that don't do anything to help me understand what I'm missing. Look, <laughs> even with just the gifts, you came around on the Tobias Torture book. Yeah, it took some time. It took some worse books <laughs> to happen. It took this it book. Took this book it certainly did it certainly did this book and you're uh convincing you're very good convincing about why it was legit wasn't my convincing primarily uh i'm a monster like tobias this is how i would behave and so i identify with it that isn't normally a convincing argument well but it's true though brent yeah so and I, I love you, so what can I do but but love this book? Not not this book, not book 37, that book. All right, then I guess that'll do it for this week. Yeah. I know yep. uh, most of you don't come for a half an hour of us being relentlessly negative. <laughs> But, uh, man. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I promise to like the next book. I promise to like that book more than I like this book. Don't, don't make the monkey's paw close another finger, Jenna. (laughs) Oh no, oh no. I'm gonna, Brent. Brent, I wish that I like the next book more than I like this book. The next book is gonna be the one where they all somehow end up on the submarine from Sequest and they morph Darwin, and then uh, Rachel's a Sailor Scout, and it's it's just going to be a whole big fucking mess of real bad, and it's all your fault now. Okay. I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that burden. All right. <laughs> as long as you'll take that evil. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that'll do it for this week. Come back next week, please, hopefully, uh, for, for book 38, The Arrival. And man, I, you know, I really liked number 30. So I'm hoping that 46 is better and the author here was just having, I don't know, an off month or didn't like Rachel or what. I don't know. I think I think she just didn't like Rachel or didn't or didn't like you said, just didn't get Rachel. She got another book. So maybe I mean, hmm. we'll see. So see you next week. Uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. You can hit us up on uh, Gmail, Fandalites at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fandalites um, or just message Shenna directly with your stuff about uh, 36. <laughs> seven and why she's wrong don't don't at me just at jenna uh you're at the jenna right yes yeah. do it at me yeah at her you can find us on tumblr fandalites.tumblr.com uh you can hit our website fandalites.com uh, and the sister site indolighttruth.org thanks to dust odell for the use of his theme music for our intro and outro you can find him at, at dust of cyt on twitter and listen to more of his great stuff at dustnodell.bandcamp.com we'll see you next week and until then remember nostalgia is a drug Thank you.